Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks pulled out a 38-31 victory against the Dallas Cowboys today. They go to 3-0 and are leading the NFC West through three weeks. Joining me today to talk about the win is Zach Whitman, Seahawks Twitter celebrity, the star of the ESPN pregame show. Zach, appreciate you coming on. Hi, thank you so much. Um, yeah, my 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 little 15 seconds of fame there. <laughs> Honestly, just worth it for the memes then. Um, I, and I, I do have to give a shout out today. I think I saw the best ginger joke I've seen in my entire life, which was when somebody res- responded, I, I believe at Take Mountain responded and quote tweeted my picture saying Mr. Sunlimited. <laughs> Mr. Sunlimited, which, which is truly the best ginger joke I've ever heard and and really kind of made my day. So thank you to that person. I And I'm happy that you turned that around because I think it made a lot of our days on Twitter. And then, you know, it, it went even farther and, and we had our day made with this 38 to 31 victory. Russell Wilson throws another five touchdowns. He has 14 on the year. No quarterback in the NFL has ever thrown more touchdown passes in the first three games of the season. Just another incredible day by Russell. And I, I'm guessing that you have to take credit for at least a couple of those. Most of it. I mean, not, not all of it. Most of it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's pretty great, right? It's it's feeling like we're just strapping in. And I will say uh, today, Russ did seem a little salty at the idea that he had not been cooking previously in his career. <laughs> right. It seems like, like, listen, guys, I've kind of been on this block for a while. So, no, yes, and, and for people I mean, just tuning it. in for the first time, Zach was uh, is now credited as being the originator of the "Let Russ Cook" meme. Uh, it started what back in 2019 or 20 yeah 2019 after the Dallas loss in the playoffs, and so it, it kind of it it comes full circle now, Zach, that it was uh, on the Sunday that you were on the the ESPN pregame package right before the Seahawks take on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it felt a little bit scary. I was talking to Mina before the interview, and I commented that it kind of felt like this was like the apex of our E! True Hollywood story, when like the Seahawks were about to stand. And like then they cult, got cult. to be terrible. <laughs> and, exactly, yeah. So, no, it does feel like a weird full circle thing, um, where, I mean, the, obviously the 2018 playoff loss was so hard. And then today, uh, they I think they definitely had some moments where they kind of regressed back into play conservative and don't try to go out there and really, you know, try to score points every drive. But man, when they did try to score, it felt like they just kind of could do it at will. Well, and in that first half, I mean, they go into halftime with 23 points. It probably should have been 30 points. I'm still mad, Zach. I am still mad at DK Metcalf for celebrating early and losing that ball out of the end zone. I'll be ready to forgive him, you know, 15, 20 years, something in that range. I mean, at least they got the win. At least we had the full circle redemption for him being the one to catch the game winning touchdown and, and help put the game away for Seattle. I actually commented um, just sitting in my living room uh, that it reminded me a lot of some of the stuff last year. I think maybe the Tampa Bay game where DK had a drop, but then Russ went back to him for the game clinching play. And so it felt like DK having that, um, it was a tough catch, but the drop on the last drive where maybe he could have gotten to it, kind of hit him in the hands, but it was, you know, a little bit of a lunge. Uh, I, I felt like at that moment, Russ was going to try to go, you know, go back to him to win it. And it's incredible that Russell is that kind of guy and predictable enough that you know when he has something fail, like he wants to actually go back to that exact thing and win the game that way. So just, I mean, we are very blessed to have Russell Wilson around who 
gets that kind of adversity and just wants to go back immediately to the well and fix it. Metcalf finishes the day with 110 yards, four catches. You referenced one of the drops, and I think that was one of the plays that Troy Aikman uh, was heavily criticizing Russell for, for not putting it, for not making it an easier catch for DK Metcalf, despite it hitting Metcalf's hands. Does Troy Aikman hate Russell Wilson? I mean, I think Troy Aikman, um, much like uh, many of us, may have a little bit of the Homer goggles on. Um, I, I think a notable play was when the defensive lineman for Dallas tried to twist Chris Carson's leg off. Like, uh, you know, and, and he commented, basically, I'm not sure what happened. I, I, yeah, I'm I not sure what happened. There, I think somebody fell on him. Yeah, I think there's some willful blindness there. And I don't think it's like he's malicious or anything. I think he truly is a Dallas fan. And if the Seahawks weren't playing a team that was Dallas, he probably would feel differently. Um, but we live in a world where Dallas plays on you know, the national Fox game like six or eight times a year. And Trachman happens to call those games. So there's a lot of this. Yeah, I don't I don't think he hates Russell Wilson, but I didn't know that I could hate a guy named Tristan Hill more than after a day like today. He was the one who twisted Chris Carson's leg and then he went helmet to helmet with Russell Wilson not too long after that. Yeah, I, I kind of appreciate the helmet to helmet hit. Not ideal, obviously, um, but it saved us two things. One, obviously, it gave us a chance at the uh, the, the two point conversion again. That's right. It also saved us the Greg Olson flop for the defensive pass interference when he went full on Italian soccer player and just like, and, and just dove. It was, it was, it was pretty terrible. I bet if we go back and look at it, there was like some incidental hand fighting, but he kind of, he kind of took a dive afterwards hoping for the call. And it was pretty, pretty shameful. He needs to take some lessons from Tyler Lockett, I think. And we, we didn't have a, a, a Tyler Lockett flop in this game. We did have a, a legitimate pass interference where Lockett's hand was grabbed. Let's talk about Tyler Lockett. Nine catches, 100 yards on the day, three touchdown catches. It looked like they were just not going to cover him in the first half. It's actually weird. I remember a, a defensive pass interference last year, pretty similar, where a guy just grabbed Tyler Lockett's hand, which is funny considering he has like the smallest hands in the NFL. But we keep seeing these plays where he gets interfered with by the guys grabbing his hands. No, he had an absolutely amazing day. I think I saw the stat that it was the first time in, in history that a, a quarterback had three one-yard touchdown passes. Um, and, and Lockett, obviously incredible, um, day. I think Schottenheimer deserves a lot of credit for his play calling, especially in the red zone, kind of almost an inversion maybe of two years ago when there were moments during that season, when it felt like the Seahawks were somewhat challenged down in the red zone. Uh, this time it, it feels like whenever the Seahawks are getting into those short distances and even the third and three plays, they had two of the fourth and three and the third and three in the final drive. He's really showing a lot of inventiveness with the, with that play calling and pretty exciting. I'm a little bit torn because part of me, I, I'd like to see a guy like Carlos Hyde, just, you know, pound the ball in for a touchdown from the one yard line. But I, I really did want to see Russell get that record from Patrick Mahomes after, you know, throwing nine touchdowns through the first two games and knowing that he could beat it with five today. And he should have had six. And I'm, I'm not still mad about the DK Metcalf drop, but I, I'm, I am still mad about it. Again, 15 to 20 years. Sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, we will get over it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris Carson, you know, <laughs> You hate to see him go down. It, Pete Carroll talking after the game that it's a sprained knee. And we heard that about Bruce Irvin last week. So that that one makes me just in the pit of my stomach a little bit like, is it really a sprained knee or is it going to are we going to find out on Monday that it's you know one of an, another ACL injury? And gosh, so many injuries on the day for the Seahawks. 
Yeah, I remember Carson, though, wasn't it last year when he got like bent over backwards and his knee like looked terrible? Yeah, it looks like a, a season ender and it he, you know, he's made of kind of vibranium type thing and bounced back up. He was walking on the sideline a little bit. He wasn't didn't look quite as bad maybe as some of the guys last week. But yeah, no, it's it's pretty terrifying. I think largely because of his, his contributions so far this season have been as a receiver and he's been really good catching the ball. Um, but you look at it. And um, I hope there's a suspension coming of some kind uh, for the for Tristan Hill, obviously to Tristan Hill, you know, the hater, the, uh, the the most hated Dallas Cowboy now, because that did see I and maybe it's tough to judge, judge intent and everything. But that was a really reckless play at the at the very least. Yeah, it really was. And I, I, I feel like there's enough momentum around this, just seeing it not not just among Seahawks fans, but among reporters and, and other people on Twitter as well that are are noticing that and saying, hey, this is not cool. So, yeah, I, I think we'll see something there. But let's move over to the defense and another set of injuries on the defense to talk about here with Jamal Adams going down with a, a groin pull. And, you know, you wouldn't expect that to be super serious. It kind of makes you happy for the early bye week this year. Kind of a, a rough day for him overall not being out there in that second half. It's tough. I mean, it's, I mean, at the end of the game, there was a guy who was on the practice squad, right? Who's just promoted yesterday. Delano Hill wakes up today and has a bad back. So it really seems like they're backed into a corner now where the only thing they can do is let Russell Wilson go absolutely nuclear in, in every game because you, you don't have much confidence here. Uh, the Cowboys had two backup tackles in, right? I think like their third and fourth or fourth and fifth string tackles in the game today. Right. And for that to be the case and to actually get some pass rush to the end was great, but it's really concerning going forward. And next week, you know, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league coming in Fitz magic. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to him and the dolphins a little bit. Uh, let's let's, you touched on uh, the backup that came in, in this game. It's Ryan Neal, uh, the backup safety off the practice squad. And he's a guy who has bumped around the league for the past two years. It's his third season in the NFL, been a practice squad guy. And here he is. He gets the call up on game day. And he was the one to catch the the final pass from Dak Prescott, the interception in the end zone. And so, yeah, for a guy like Ryan Neal and Alton Robinson, who hadn't been active for the first two games, he had the sack in that final drive. And, and really, so you had these two guys coming up in the clutch. I, I don't think we expected that going into this game. No, and I, that's, that's the kind of thing, too, where it's just so awesome to see a guy like that who you know, has bounced around. Imagine how hyped that guy is about this moment. This might be the pinnacle of his athletic career. And it's just so awesome to think that that's a memory he's going to have forever. Oh, so I, he I'm, was, I'm he was fired thrilled. up in the, in the post game interviews, they brought him in and he just, he kept <laughs> saying how, you know, he didn't really have any words for it. And he was just, you know, waiting, you know, how he fought through years and years and thought about quitting. And, and here he is in this moment. And, and just, it, you could tell just from his voice that it meant a lot to him. That's awesome. I got to go find that interview. That yeah. is absolutely. That's that is the kind of content that I need. There's going to be a lot of it with uh, I think with this year, if we keep seeing injuries on the defense and we'll be expecting those guys to make some plays. Uh, it's it was a tough day in some regards for the Seahawks defense. And you know what? I, I want to talk about that coming up next. Talking to Zach Whitman. Seahawks fan and uh, notable for his Three Sigma athlete website. And uh, I'm sure, you know, we all follow Zach on Twitter. Zach, wh what is your Twitter handle for those who aren't following you? Yeah, ZJ Whitman. Nice and boring. 
It's all right. It's it's okay to be boring sometimes. It could be better, is what you're saying. I I hear it. I hear it it loud. It could be at let Russ cook three 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 three. Right. Okay. See, you should have been here like a year ago. Should have locked that down and really, really got after that. Maybe you just throw on an extra three. However many threes it takes to put on the end of it. That's. I think that's where you have to go. I like it. As good as the the thirty eight point victory was, Zach on defense for the Seahawks again. The secondary, Dak Prescott goes you know, 57 attempts, completes 37 passes, 472 yards. He has three touchdowns of his own. Fortunately, the Seahawks able to pick him off twice in this game. Uh, let's see. They had the one interception at the at the end. I know they had the fumble, the, the sack fumble recovery. Yeah, there was the, Shaqui- the Shaquille uh, interception oh, where he right. cut off that yep. little like post route type. There was the dropped pick by Flowers that bounced back up to Gallup. Oh, my gosh. There was the kind of like forced fumble sack interception combo thing that ended up with Mayoa. And then there was obviously the end of the game, uh, you know, Hail Mary prayer one. Yes. Yeah. The sack fumble one was the most impressive with Reed getting in there. Mayoa taking it almost down uh, to the end zone. They get it inside the the 10 yard line and Russell able to finish it off from there. And gosh, on that drive where Trey Flowers kicked it up in the air and it was Gallup that, that snatched it out of the air, right? And, and went down the field. It was at that moment you wondered if it was really going to be the Seahawks day. You know, it's stupid because it doesn't actually matter. But like last year, the Seahawks had a lot of poor performances in the in the afternoon slot at home. And so you do start to get that kind of just muscle memory of losing a, a bad game in that slot. And I, I you got to think uh, when Dallas went up, I was not feeling super optimistic. And it just you feel like when you see a play like that happen, just like the bounces go wrong. The, if you just think about the the win probability swing of the DK touchdown and then the interception that bounced up to Gallup, absolutely enormous. Uh, and it's similar to last week when the Seahawks also got unlucky, right, with the with the tipped pick six that start the game. Right. So it really feels amazing to be in a place where Yes, things are kind of going wrong. Dallas converts two fourth downs, uh, you know, and we talked about the rest. It it's kind of amazing that they still have managed to come up this way. Obviously, overall, I would say they have not been lucky considering injuries. Um, pretty hard to say they've gotten off easy this year that way. And going back to the injuries thing, it's you're kind of seeing it throughout the NFL. And as tough as it is to see a guy like Damian Lewis go down and Mikey Potty go down in this game. And I, I don't I feel like I'm still forgetting some people that Jordan Brooks went down with an injury in this game. You look over at a team like the San Francisco 49ers and you still say, well, at least we aren't those guys. We see Posick got hurt, too. Right. He, he got hurt late. Yeah, And Pete said he was actually amazed he finished, which is scary because that's one of those ones. Maybe it swells overnight. You know, when he comes in, he has trouble. Good thing we paid four million or whatever for Finney. <laughs> so apparently our like six Who still didn't make it linemen. on the field. Did, yeah. Was Finney even out there or what did they? Yeah, he, he probably is only one slot behind DJ Dallas for backup interior guard. So he's almost on the field now. Really almost, getting close. Almost. Yeah. That If the worst you can say is that they overpaid for a backup guard in the offseason, though, I, I, I guess I won't be too upset. And really, as bad as the defense has been, they invested at least in the offensive line and while I know a lot of people have, would have liked to see more of that invested on the defensive line, Snax Harrison uh, sounds like he's going to be coming in this week. And so there may be potential there to improve a run defense that already seems like it was OK. They, they shut down Ezekiel Elliott in this game. I think we should dispel the notion that Seahaw- the Seahawks are not failing on defense because they don't have talent. I mean, you think about the Atlanta game right when they were healthy. 
they have a secondary that has uh, Shaquille Griffin, who, sh- who should theoretically be good, um, whether or not he's performing this year. You have two safeties that I think everyone would agree are pretty excellent. And I think Quandra Diggs is still playing well. Jamal, Jamal Adams, you know, obviously is playing great. Dunbar was a really good corner for Washington last year. And then you have linebackers of Irvin, a first round pick, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. It is not like the Seahawks went out and said, we're not going to spend anything on defense. We're going to build the offense. They spent a lot of stuff on defense. And I think that's where we we, we somewhat need to look, not just at what, what, what transactions are they making, but what's happening schematically. Mm. Why are these play? Are the players just playing poorly? Are they rusty? Are they in bad positions? But if you look at this team, that back seven has not really any excuse to be this bad, right? Right. So what's your take? What What, what is the excuse you think? I mean, I, I truly do not know. I, I mean, it, I guess cornerbacks really not playing well seems to be the big thing. The only positive plays the Seahawks had today, it felt like Ugo Amadi was involved in like 90% of them. Yes. Like any play that wasn't a success, it felt like we saw Amadi there. So I don't know the reason that the Seahawks aren't producing good defensive backs. Um, <laughs> I tend to think Chris Richard was not the only reason the Seahawks had good DBs uh, for so many years. But it is, it's pretty weird because Jacob Griffin, I mean, he was toasted today. He looked, was. I, I think someone uh, someone compared Trey Flowers to Kelly Jennings, and then I can't remember who the comparison for Quill was, but it's not good right now. And so it seems like if they cannot improve in any way the corner play, this will keep happening. The Seahawks, I believe, are on pace to concede somewhere around 7,000 passing yards this year. And we can say all we want that they're 3-0, and but as good as Russell Wilson is, the Seahawks are making every opposing quarterback look better somehow in in a lot of ways um and that is pretty terrifying still if the seahawks defense allows seven thousand yards as long as russell wilson throws for 75 touchdowns i will take <laughs> i'll make that trade zach i'll make that trade too but something tells me the uh maybe 75 is slightly optimistic <laughs> is, that, is that a little optimistic okay slightly yeah i look back to this game the seahawks were up 30 to 15 after Hollister, he caught the touchdown uh, to to put the Seahawks up 30-15. And then, you know, you're thinking, okay, let's see what the defense does, if they can hold off a team. Whereas, you know, being up two scores the last two weeks, they, they did the, you know, let the teams back in the game. And it was that 11th drive by the Cowboys where Dak goes deep uh, to Michael Gallup. He was lined up against Shaquille Griffin. And gets a 52-yard catch, and then they go right back after him a couple plays later with Cedric Wilson catching a touchdown, his second of the day. His first one was on KJ Wright, but again against Griffin, and they get the quick score on just a couple plays. And it, some of those plays too weren't weren't close calls. The way that Quill was getting roasted was it it reminds you when you watch like a Big 12 game, and you see some poor hapless freshman just getting tossed across the field, and it was an NFL defense. So pretty. I, I don't really. I don't think there's, oh, there's anything positive to say about either uh, Shaquille or Trey Flowers in the second half, especially. Quill did have the one really nice play to get that interception, and that maybe you know is the margin in the game there. That one stop. Well, and if you uh, think about that interception too, that came after the Seahawks. Did they go? I don't think it was a three and out, but it was. They had an opportunity to go for it on fourth and three, right around midfield. They decide to punt. They took the delay of game. They punted away. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on Seahawks Twitter, Zach, who are saying, oh, come on, Pete, these are the situations where you need to be going for it. 
and you know be aggressive and and get ahead even more going into the the end of the half. Well, you know, Dixon punts it down to I think that was one of his that that went down to the five yard line, and they end up. It it doesn't matter. Shaquille Griffin got the interception, which allowed them to score then uh, to go into halftime twenty three fifteen. Yeah, I would say that the best case for the Seahawks not being aggressive enough is that their opponents are being pretty aggressive. Look at who Seattle's played the last three weeks. Mm -hmm. And those teams know how well Russell Wilson's playing and they are going on fourth down. Right. Have we seen a Seahawks opponent punt inside the 50 yet this year? I don't think we have. I don't think Um, we have either. Those teams are all going for it. So I think um, we got very lucky in this case because I think Quill, his career wise, does not have very many interceptions. His ball skills are not ideal for a starting quarter in the in the end he's you know he contributes in other ways by being a uh at least historically he's been a good player but not really Mm -hmm. a great ball skills guy um but yeah no i would say the seahawks today really would have won by more if if mccarthy had not been aggressive on fourth down in between the 40s and you have to look at that as the seahawks and say if our defense is this banged up if we don't think we're going to be stopping people anytime soon, do we need to adopt a similar mentality? And the fact that Mike McCarthy is doing it after the anti championship game in 2015, maybe gives some of us hope that Pete will learn eventually. The Cowboys did make both of their fourth down attempts. They were two for two on the day. They were seven to 15 on third down efficiency. It feels like it was, it was better than that for the Cowboys. It seemed like they were making third downs left and right. Right. I mean, I think uh, it helps that you, you add the two fourth downs on, right? And then you have nine conversions. So right. some of them kind of get hidden in there. But yeah, and especially, I think three of them happened on the first drive consecutively. So the, the Seahawks definitely stepped up a bit in in the second half. And that that helps. You just, you really worry uh, about a defense that is getting a lot of its stops on turnovers because then, that, you know, that was kind of similar to last year, right? And then the Rams game happened. And the turnovers didn't happen, and it was much uglier. So certainly, the way this defense is playing, it seems like there could be a clunker coming. If they don't get those turnovers in this game. Uh, one other positive, I suppose, for the team as a whole, looking at the stat sheet, only five penalties on the day for 30 yards. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, especially uh, considering how many penalties... Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if the total penalty count was high for for the Seahawks, but the first downs via penalty, I think there were four. Maybe that includes the two point conversion, but there was really, you know, a lot there. I think there were two or three on one drive. The one where Lockett had the the defensive pass interference. Oh yeah, yeah. The the Cowboys finished with ten penalties for fifty nine yards. So yeah, they definitely won that battle uh, of the penalties. Ten fifty nine. Yeah, they must have had like five first downs there, which is just an incredible. <laughs> that, maybe that's that's a little lucky too. Although I think in some cases it was the Seahawks receivers breaking open and Dallas actually you know locking them down to stop it. Right. In which case, you know, that's not a, that's not a luck thing. That really should almost go more as a completion for for Wilson and the receiver more than anything. Anything else stand out to you in this game today, Zach? You know, um, I I really hope the team's healthy. Because I think it's just been such an incredible thrill to watch the team play the way they are. It's really, really fun right now, you know, and I just hope that the, the team is healthy enough to keep it going because, gosh, I could I could get used to waking up every Sunday and watching the Seahawks just go for it. <laughs> you know, it is truly just fun. Um, and to Pete's credit today, the Seahawks, I think a lot of people would say they were too conservative uh, when they went up 30 to 15, mm-hmm. which I think they probably were too conservative. But on the other hand, they did have two to one uh, pass to rust ratio on early downs today. They 
had 38 early passes, 19 early rushes. And that is a ratio that would not have happened in a previous season. And so credit to Pete, because I think in a previous year, the Seahawks score one time less, maybe in the first half, they go into halftime tied. And then when Dallas has their, you know, big charge, maybe the Seahawks are down 10 points in the fourth quarter instead of, instead of being up. And so I think, even if it's a messy game, there's a lot going on. Schematically, the defense seems topsy-turvy. Just giving Wilson a little more freedom on first and especially second down really did, I think, enable this win to happen. And the coaching staff does deserve credit for that. I would also say that Skybox Shoddy, uh, you can't really criticize the guy this year because he is he is really, really calling uh, some great plays, in particular in the red zone. So. Oh, man. that <laughs> The Cable Thanos video from this week. With Skybox Shoddy uh, at number one on the the, the rolling counter, uh, that gave me the hardest laugh I, I think of that entire video. And there are a lot of good moments in that video. Every time, obviously, a Cable Thanos video posts, it's 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 phenomenal. But that one, I think there was a that is maybe the most fun I've had in one of those videos since maybe two years ago in 2018. It does feel like there's an energy to the team this year. There's just maybe it's the times where maybe it's a year we're in, but I don't know. I'm having a blast. It's good that that energy is there, too, because that was something that, well, gosh, you hear about it on every time that there's a game now that they're in CenturyLink without fans. And you hear the announcers comment on it of just how strange it is not having fans there. But yet they are bringing that energy. And it was it was kind of a weird energy in this game. It felt like kind of a weird game overall. Uh, and maybe I just felt that way after the Metcalf incident that that it seemed weird. But there, there were a lot of weird things that happened in this game. No, it was a very classic Seahawks. It wasn't prime time, but it's the game of the week, right? It felt to me a little bit like like the the weird games of the past. I think of the Detroit Monday night game that felt like everything was just backwards. You know, these these classic Seahawks games at CenturyLink, the, the Bills Monday night game a few years ago. Mm. And you just get into these weird games, the Seahawks, and it's like both teams are fighting left-handed, but it doesn't matter, and everything is upside down, and... The amazing thing is that Russell Wilson is still just bizarrely constant through all of that. It does not seem to matter. And um, I, I feel pretty, pretty fortunate that he we still have many years of Russell Wilson left. And getting to watch him light the, the entire league on fire is, is pretty dang fun. It is really fun, especially with how I mean, you still even see it. And maybe I, I just go back to the Aikman thing today. It does seem like people still count him out. I, I feel like there's been more people trying to bring up, oh, well, Kyler Murray's an MVP form and Josh Allen is an MVP form for the Bills. Uh, yeah, those guys are having good years. But is anybody watching Russell Wilson? I mean, he's on fire right now. I hear that. But I just was watching the television today and Rex Ryan said, let Russ cook. So. <laughs> I mean, we can, I, I actually think to the, this point, the narrative this year actually favors Wilson. And even if he's like the third best player, I think he might win MVP because of the zero MVP votes. Uh, you know, kind of, I think that actually has a weird momentum to help him because it's so obvious he's been ignored in the past that people now are, are almost more friendly. Yeah. Yeah. So, that. See, Zach says momentum in football exists. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you watch the Seahawks defense, it definitely feels like it was because I think they gave up three three drives where it felt like they were playing at like a 10 degree incline where the Cowboys are running downfield. So maybe maybe momentum is real in that case. <laughs> so how has this been for you, Zach, with the whole, you know, starting as, you know, a, a tweet with Let Russ Cook and now hearing, you know, particularly last week, 
you know, a guy like Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football, and you just brought up Rex, Rex Ryan, and then you know Cable Thanos making a, and dedicating an entire Twitter video out of it. What what has this few weeks been like for you? Uh, it's pretty surreal, honestly. Uh, it, the the weirdest is when like you know people you know randomly that you don't talk about football are texting you <laughs> like what's <laughs> going on. Like I saw this thing. Um, I'm getting you know memes from coworkers, obviously the memes online. So no, it's it's been great. It, it's one of those things where this year has been so hard on everybody. I think that there is a, I don't know, it. this year it feels so isolating and that it's, it's, it's bizarre, but it almost feels like the online Seahawks community is thriving through it and people are actually getting a lot out of it. Um, and I don't mean to like sound trite or anything, but I just feel like I know me personally, I'm getting a lot out of it. I think people are looking for community this year more than ever. And it's been really special. And so I actually think that has a lot to play in why let Russ cook has taken off, you know, this year, not last year. I think that people want to feel like they are part of something. And we're in a weird time right now where we almost aren't allowed to do that. And the fact that Seattle, even though we don't get to go to CenturyLink, even though we don't get to, you know, go watch games together at restaurants and bars, the fact that we are all joining around memes this year and still having a community feel to it through that, I think is is really good for me, at least. I'm enjoying it. It's helping me get through the time that we're in. And I really hope that other people are just kind of taking this for what it is, which is fun um, and not getting too serious. And I will say, you know, even compared to previous years, People are having a lot more fun this year, at least in my mentions, you know, uh, it's not quite as vicious or mean, maybe, maybe that's the winds, but I think people are looking for a distraction and I certainly am one of those people. So it's been an incredible rush, an incredibly surreal moment to go to a studio and a bunch of cameras. Um, but, you know, uh, in this year, it probably couldn't have happened at a better time. Yeah. So how did that come about with ESPN and, and Mina Kimes and, and all that getting set up? Um, really fast. I, the, I'm Mike Duggar, uh, Duggar from the athletic. Oh yeah. Michael Sean Duggar. Yeah. He, he called me on Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess, and did an interview, uh, quickly cause he wanted to get, you know, really thankful to him. He wanted to quote me a few times in, um, the article. And that was after we had kind of both been on a Pelton cast episode together and we had done that. And then he ended up interviewing me. And then like five minutes after the athletic article posted, or at least that I saw it, on Thursday morning, I think I got a, a DM from Mina like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to do an interview?" And I was like, "Sure." Thinking it'd be like a you know phone call to get like a quote or something. Right. And then it was like a producer called me and it was like on like a Zoom call. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, I do it on my tablet or my laptop." And then they were like, "Actually, there's an address in Pioneer Square. We need to, <laughs> do you know where that is? We need to go there." And um, yeah, no, honestly, um, I, I I will say I woke up like Friday or Saturday and I for for a second, I didn't know if it was real because it was so fast. It happened essentially immediately. And then it was just over um, that I, I really did doubt at times if it had actually happened. Um, and I will say after all this, um, Josh uh, Cable Thanos was also there getting interviewed mm -hmm. and he didn't make it into the video. No, release on, the Kimes on, cut on that. Oh my, that, I feel so bad for Josh. Truly, uh, he is he is awesome, and he has been such a huge part of meme culture, especially with the Seahawks. And Josh, been a Josh huge is, part. hey, let's be honest. Josh is doing all right. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> if yeah. they're going to cut somebody, I, you know, if if he gets cut and you get on there, you you should you should take that. I'll, I mean, I'll take it, <laughs> but I still would rather Josh have been on there. 
So, you know, but I mean, like, certainly I'll take it um, as is. We just need to get Josh on a different feature. Now. That's true. Yeah, he'll he'll have his moments. I think it's coming. If you say so. Zach Whitman, thanks for joining the show, breaking down the game. Glad we got the win. 38-31, looking ahead next week to those Miami Dolphins. And uh, yeah, the the way Fitzpatrick played in that first half, especially, uh, that, that maybe looks like a little bit more dangerous of a game for Seattle coming up next week. We'll see. I know I, I like to track a stupid stat I like is, is tracking which stadiums Russell Wilson has won in. Mm-hmm. And there aren't many. I think there's like eight or nine. And this is one of them. So oh, he hasn't <laughs> won yet in Miami. No, because it was the Tannehill game in 2012. Oh. Um, the, there was a pen, bad penalty in the fourth quarter. Anyway, I, I, I don't need to like dredge up my, you know, things I've gone over in therapy again. <laughs> but um, but that game and then this, the only other opportunity, I think, this year is the Buffalo game, because the last time they played oh, it was in Toronto. Toronto. Right. So this is one of two games and I think the next month and a half where the Seahawks have a chance to get uh, the, that win. So I am really keying on this one. Let's 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 beat on those Dolphins and get that win, because if not, eight more years. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, we don't want to wait that long. Get it done, <laughs> Russ. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Zach, once again, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you. A fun chat with Zach Whitman. Follow him on Twitter at ZJ Whitman. Had a fun game to watch as the Seahawks get the win over the Dallas Cowboys. Going to be a lot to talk about through the week. Going to be talking to Clinton Bonner coming up on the next episode of the podcast. Three in, three out. Be sure and follow him on Twitter at Clinton Bon. Use the hashtag 3i3o and we'll be reading some of your submissions for three in, three out on that show. Subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. Go on over to fieldgoals.com. Lots of articles. John Morgan has one up about Alton Robinson and the game he had today. Alistair Corp has an article up talking about Russell Wilson setting that touchdown record through the first three weeks of the season. And then Mookie Alexander with the recap of Sunday's game. Check it all out. Fieldgoals.com. Stay tuned to this show. We will be back once again. Three in, three out coming up with Clinton Bonner. Definitely going to want to check that out after the win this week. Until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks.